0: Gather round and listen to tales of great adventure and brave heroes. Tales of daring individuals fighting monsters and claiming treasure. Tales of bards trying to get into the pants of savage beasts to avoid losing a fight. Tales of people drinking beer, eating pizza, and rolling dice. Tales of people losing their minds over the things that happen to people who only exist in their minds. This is Roland Bones, and I am Ryan Howard. Hello everyone and welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, your source for the best in RPG interviews. I am the dritz Duwarden of podcasting, Ryan Howard, and we've got a great one on tap for you today, ladies and gentlemen. We are talking to one of my closest friends, one of the guys from my original D&D group, a guy I went to college with, a guy I got into RPGs. Ladies and gentlemen, the legendary Kyle Smith. So we are going to jump into that interview here in just a bit, uh, real quick. I just want to remind everyone that in just a few days' time, on October the 22nd, Eldritch Foundry will be launching. That's right, Eldritch Foundry will be launching i am beyond excited for this i've been looking forward to this for quite some time i cannot wait to to make my custom miniatures i'm still not sure what i'm going to make uh, i kind of want to play around with the tool a little bit but next week during my intro i will be doing a review of the tool and then when the uh, the minis come in i'm going to actually paint them and do a series of reviews on instagram and then do a final review and uh during the intro to the podcast the week that they actually show up. So all of that is coming down the pipeline. Uh, Real quick, I just want to uh, forewarn everyone. uh, Because of time constraints this week, my, my family came into town to visit me this week, so I did not have time to do my usual editing on the podcast. Kyle and I had a pretty tight conversation. We actually had to record it twice because the first time it didn't take on the recording software. So... I feel like we were pretty pretty well connected, pretty well synergized as far as our conversation went. It's a really good conversation. It's just not going to be the same level of editing that you typically get on the show, uh, just forewarning everyone. Uh, but the sound quality is good, and everything should be fine, and I think it's a really great episode. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, welcome to Rollin' Bones, Kyle Smith. I hope you love it. All right, everyone, as promised, we are talking to uh, one of the members of that original group. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Kyle Smith.
1: Hey, it's good to be here. It's like I've been here before.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, this is our second go at this recording, uh, for those of you listening along at home, because the first time my Skype recorder decided, nope, not that one. I'm doing that again. <laughs>
1: Uh, which just means I get a great opportunity to, uh, not be as ADD in how I talk.
0: (laughs) Yep, we take, we take second chances where we can get them, I suppose. I thought the first one was fine. It was so good. It was, it was. Skype recorder had other ideas, though.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey.
0: Oh, sorry. Go ahead. At the
1: very least, it gave me uh, a night to um, make my T-shirt even better.
0: <laughs> yes. So this will be good. Mm-hmm. We can we can only go up from here. <laughs> really, we really can. Absolutely. So, Kyle, as we've already alluded to, we are going to start this interview uh, with the same questions that we always start with. So, first and foremost. How did you get into RPGs and D and
1: D? Yeah, uh, so it's a long story. Uh, starting back well before I met you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but I didn't. I didn't start playing it for uh, several years after watching it, but also didn't realize what I was watching was Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a detail actually that I forgot to mention last time that's super important to how I actually discovered it was Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, which is even more baffling that I didn't realize what it was uh, <laughs> until, like, the year before I met you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, I started watching Yogg's Cast uh, way, way back in the early days. And at some point, they started doing a Dungeons & Dragons series. Um, with, like, in the Yogg's Cast style, they did it with, like, office-style interviews, everyone dressed up, Sips was some sort of sexy lady orc, who played the ukulele and wore a neon green wig. Um, And they had cool drawings, and they just made it seem like so much fun and so cool. And I was like, I'm down for this. I want to watch more of this. And they produced more of it. They did a space one and a zombie one and loads of different varieties on that, uh, which nowadays is actually their dice camera action, I think it is now, uh, which I haven't gotten into as much. (laughs) Um, But it's still really good. Um, but yeah, uh, during that time as well, I discovered the, uh, video games known as Neverwinter, Baldur's Gate, and the straight-up Just Dungeons & Dragons, uh, MMO? Is that what it was? Yeah,
0: yeah, I believe so.
1: Yeah, and I found those, and I didn't know that Baldur's Gate, I thought Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter were their own separate entities Mm -hmm. at the time. Uh, and didn't know that they were a part of Dungeons and Dragons either. I don't think it was until I saw a humble bundle that had both of those together and literally named it like the Dungeons and Dragons bundle that I went, oh, <laughs> that makes sense now. <laughs> mm-hmm. That explains why similar characters showed up at the. St- <laughs> um, but yeah, and then uh, three. Uh, Uh, A little over three years ago, uh, I ended up in the same class as you, Mm -hmm. and you, by chance, by random conversation, mentioned that you had a Dungeons & Dragons group. Mm -hmm. And I I just pounced and was like, I know what this is now,
0: and I want to play. Yeah, and that's, I mean, at that time, I might have even just, like, had my books with me. I think you did. I think you mm-hmm. had the PHB on you. Yeah, cuz that was around the time. So I mean my my carrying of my D&D stuff has varied over the years. And I don't remember if I had uh the monster manual or the PA or the uh DM's guide at the time. So I might have just been carrying my PHB and my dice and my character sheets. No, so I
1: I think it was the monster manual because I remember oh, right. flipping through it and being like, Oh my God, this
0: looks, what is this? <laughs> just freaking out for a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause you started um, very early on in my campaign. So I already had those books. Yeah. So I, I do remember one day just like just before class looking through one of my D and D books. And that's, that's kind of when the conversation started and I also vividly remember uh, the the day we created your first character, which we we'll get uh, yes. to we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, but for now, of all the game systems you've played or read, uh, Kyle, what would you say your favorite system is? Uh,
1: I I hold the dearest place in my heart for Fifth Edition because I have screwed with it and homebrewed it so harshly by this point. <laughs> It, it is hard to recognize my campaign as being uh, a, a, akin to uh, Storm King's Thunder mm. <laughs> that we're playing right now. It is far off a homebrew world, but the system's there. But, uh, yeah, Mutants and Masterminds, man. <laughs> mm. So good uh, in the way you create characters, how you can get uh, your own uh, layer as a superhero. Um, how... How much you can do with that world because you can set it in so many different places, it has no restriction mm-hmm. on what kind of time period it can be in or what kind of environment you can make it in. Like, you can do super realistic, hyper um, Dark Knight style uh, campaign, or you could go full on uh, animated Batman Beyond uh, if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and or World War Two alternate World War II Wolfenstein like we had with uh, your miniature campaign that we did. Yep. Um. It's it's a very broad system that works pretty well. Uh, allows you to create things like Vita, uh, the Twitch streaming ripoff of Diva, uh, who runs into battle halfway through uh, the combat. And ask for twist donations uh, mm-hmm. every couple of seconds, or for every single action they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it allows for a lot of comedy, for yeah. sure.
0: Yeah, that's one. Uh, that's one system that I definitely want to run more games in, and and play in more games in. That that game that you mentioned, the World War II one. I I honestly consider that one of my greatest failings as a dungeon master because sometimes campaigns when they end they end in a dramatic explosion of anger and frustration and this one just kind of fizzled out as as the different players just dropped out for their
1: own reasons oh yeah we blinked one night and the campaign was over yep uh so sad yeah. definitely want to definitely want to run or play uh probably play honestly because uh, I finally got a handle on how that
0: system plays, and it's it's super nice. Mm-hmm. Definitely would love to play in it again. Yep. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Mutants and Masterminds, I will direct you to one of my earlier episodes where I interviewed the creator, Steve Kenson. Mm-hmm. That was a ton of fun, getting inside his head and figuring out, yes, he is in fact a massive comics fan, as is conveyed. I couldn't
1: tell. Yeah. I, I could I never? I thought he was more of like a Shakespearean master, you know. It's, <laughs> wherefore art thou, Captain America?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And so now, I guess we should discuss that session where we created that first character of yours. So, Kyle, tell us about your. It first can't
1: even character. be called a sec. It can't even be called a session. <laughs> like we planned. We planned the time to meet in that in that uh <laughs> that on campus uh, lunch area and yet either I showed up late I think I showed up a few minutes late because yeah. class ran late mm-hmm. and uh amidst the screaming of ESPN on the televisions around us and the general chaos that that area always was like mm-hmm. every single day oh yeah um we like rushed to make gibeto mm-hmm I like walked in. You opened up your books and just went, "What class?" <laughs> 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 it, that's what it felt like uh, trying to create Gibetto. Mm-hmm. And I think we left like I, I didn't write abilities down. I didn't write uh, ability score improvements. I didn't. I didn't even choose spells. We just got like the basics of the character done, and then I hightailed it out of there to class. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, and so we we ended up with. Uh a gnome bard in a world where gnomes didn't exist. Yep. Or were just extremely rare to the oh, point yeah. of and I I don't remember if I gave this detail, but Mo had it set up in his campaign world where gnomes were either completely they died off or maybe they didn't exist. Something like that. And so I was playing in the earlier version of Moe's campaign, a, a prequel to the world that Moe had set up. And Kyle brought in a gnome and I was like, all right, let's let's do this. And so kind of on the fly, because gnomes weren't really a thing, I had all of our players at the table roll to see if they knew that gnomes existed. It was a history check. And some of them failed. And thus began
1: the never ending running joke. And I. it It's still running today. It runs like freaking um, uh, Forrest Gump. It will never stop. Uh, of the. Oh, someone mentions a gnome. Oh, gnomes don't exist. <laughs> Every time. It's mm-hmm. mostly David, too. Yep. He's the one to harp onto that stuff. Uh, but oh, man. Mm-hmm. Gibetto. Magic Fingers Timbers was just a character. <laughs> it's, mm. I didn't know what I was doing with that guy until the last session. <laughs> <laughs> uh and I'm I, I'm kind of sad. I'm sad that I didn't figure him out until the end, but I also was like in and out for the first year mm. uh because I had uh rehearsals for theater and classes that I was trying to keep track of. Mm. Um I wish I had figured him out sooner. I really do. Um, it was actually it, the the way I finally figured out what. The day I realized that I really liked Gibetto and started to play him better was the day that he almost died. <laughs> and uh, you introduced the whole idea of every time you get a Death Saving Pro, uh, Death. Appears to you and, like, tries to speak to you as your loved ones, alive or dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when his dad showed up in death and was just like, hey, you failed me. You suck. <laughs> I was like, oh, boy, I feel things now. <laughs> I, I, has a purpose. And mm-hmm. came back and made it all the way to the end where he decided to turn into a dragon and fly off to a new planet. hmm
0: I actually cannot take credit for that because that was the brainchild of Moe. That first oh. showed up in Moe's game. Nice. Because I, I think the first time Cromwell dropped, it was death. So you guys will find this out when I bring Mo on the podcast. Moe is a very sassy individual.
1: Mm, nah, could never tell. <laughs> No, he he's the most calm, most <laughs> never never a day of sass
0: from Mo. Mm-hmm. Not at all. And so death was a bit of a wise ass. And so sometimes he would appear just as himself and taunt you. Sometimes he would appear as as loved ones. And then at some point Cromwell ended up with a breastplate. That uh, let him automatically stabilize when he dropped and gave him uh, resistance to necrotic damage. And so at that point, every time I dropped, Mo went, death's not speaking to you. (laughs) Oh, that's
1: great. Oh, that's so great. Actually, he's dead. Anyways, we'll get to that later. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And so, uh, we we've kind of hinted at it a little bit with uh, with some of the talk about Gibetto, but uh, just for the benefit of everyone, what is your play style, both as a player and now that you've uh, been DMing for a while as a DM?
1: Yeah, um, much like how uh, the past two days of recording this podcast have been, uh, it, it's a lot of planning. Followed by even more improv. <laughs> uh, it's 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 very much summed up in the term chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, chaotic, good, uh, <laughs> not to be not humble, but um, egotistical. I don't yeah. know, but um, <laughs> uh, no, but uh, seriously, it's a lot of days of me going into my Google Doc of like seventy-eight pages now. Uh, where I have my campaign notes and writing out a paragraph, getting halfway through said paragraph, and then going off and watching Doctor Who for an hour, and then coming back and being like, eh, I'll see if I feel like writing more tomorrow. Until Thursday comes around, the session starts, and I go, oh, time to see what happens now. <laughs> uh, it's a lot of that when it comes to DMing, and it's... it it shows a lot as well in how I've like figured out how to play because it's a lot of me have and we'll talk about this again here in, in a minute of um my infamous plans that always go awry, but in a good way sometimes. Um where I just kinda run into things. And say, I don't know if this will work, I have an 85% chance that this won't work, but that f- that like 15% is looking mighty fine to me. Um, so I just kind of run into it and see if it works, see if it sticks, and if it does, great, if it doesn't, and I've lived, then I live to uh, run into a new chaotic plan. Um but I have been getting better as well at like sitting down, forcing myself to come up with a plan. I've done it a lot in Ashley's campaign now where I will just stop the conversation that I can see is going nowhere and just lay down the line and be like, okay, step one, let's do this. Step two. Then we do this step three profit. <laughs> and we'll see where it goes from there. Cause I haven't seen any results yet. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Now, over the years, we've had several great RPG memories, and you've had several with your groups. If you had to pick one or one or two, what what would you say is your fondest RPG memory?
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, they're still the same from what I had said before. Um, the one heartfelt and the one too stupid to be like, good, but was hilarious all the same. Um, and the heartfelt one comes from my group, um, where uh, my uh, my uh, absolute best friend in the world, who was also my roommate for a year, um, was moving out, was moving away. Uh, and I, I was too, but she was moving out first, uh, just for, you know, financial reasons. And... She's a part of the D&D group. She's, the, she's actually the reason we have a D&D group because she's the one who came to me uh, during, um, during a rehearsal and was just like, hey, I hear you play D&D. I've been watching Critical Role. Can we play D&D? <laughs> <laughs> and it just kind of blew up from there. Um, and I'm so happy it did. Um, yeah, we had her last session in person with us. And they were in the Citadel, which is sort of this massive, uh, I explained it to them as a city that, uh, is pretty much as long as the panhandle of Florida, just an incomprehensibly large city, um, that they were in and they were, you know, it was the culmination of their like past several months of questing, questing, trying to get different leaders from the continent together. Uh, all in the Citadel so they could meet about the dragon cult problem that's going on. And they finally got everyone together, got to the tower, got upstairs, had the meeting, and the leader of the city turned out to be a fae, a very powerful arch fae, um, who, uh, as he was about to... Uh, he, he heard of Bahamut, and he doesn't have the best relationship with Bahamut, so he stopped time. And uh, to think. However, the party is friends with Odin, uh, who frequently communicates with them, but usually chooses not to intervene even though he knows what the future holds. Um, and he... The the moment it started was when I lifted up my cane, because I have several of those now. You can see two of them behind me. Mm -hmm. Um, and... I lifted up the cane and pointed to the two ravens that I have, the two raven statues, which I always point to when Odin shows up. And they went from sitting still, listening intently, to just, like, bouncing up and down and freaking out and being like, no way! No! Yes! Odin! (laughs) Because it had been a while. Uh, And when he finally, like, they calmed down, and I said, Odin says to you, (laughs) you'll thank me later for this. They went aw-faced. And then I said, time stops. They see the Archfey reveal himself as the Archfey. He gets pissed and says, I'll see you whenever you end up. And they freaked out. And then, yeah, they got sent back in time. And that's where they are now. And they said it was just, like, the best possible session to, like, have at that moment. And it felt... So nice and like so awesome uh, to hear how much they loved it uh, and how like amazed they were about what had happened. Um, and the really bad but hilarious one has been talked about multiple times mm-hmm. because we can't stop talking about it. Absolutely, because it's just it's just that good. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the was the final session of Mo's campaign where half the party turned evil? And in particular, my character, Bruce Wormane, Bruce Wayne, <laughs> did I mention that I created his backup character and his back? My backup character for Bruce Wormane was his father, Tumas
0: Wormane. I think he I think you might have said something Oh God. about that back when when we were concerned about if Bruce was going to live or not. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I
1: think I even was going to play him like that, uh, that arc where Thomas Wayne was actually became Batman instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that was absolutely hilarious, especially because, uh, I had c- fought up the plan over the course of the past week before that session of like, you know, what fallen pound um, and the paladin, and I chose sucks, all of its powers suck. Why did I choose this? Hey, Fallen Paladin. That's got some good powers. That's got some really cool powers for me. So I'm going to fall from Bahamut to Tiamat and then turn my back on Tiamat without telling the DM that I was turning my back <laughs> and falling as a as a strategy. Didn't even know that anyone else was turning until I was walking up the stairs and was told, "Hey, we're turning. Hey, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go become a lich, but I'm gonna wear my phylactery around my neck."
0: Many bad plans were made that night.
1: Every single plan was terrible, especially yep. because all of you guys were the DPS of the group.
0: Yes, and got better initiative rolls than us. Yep. Good old unearthed Arcana Ranger with the advantage on initiative. Oh yeah. I think Bruce died before he could actually do anything.
1: No, all I got, all I got on my turn was going, my plan didn't
0: work, and then I was shot dead. (laughs) (laughs) That night, and at the time, as as you well know, as you could see on my face at the table, I was upset, but that night, uh, to this day, that is also my fondest RPG memory. Because of how emotionally invested I was, because of how nuts it got. Because Austin was literally running three characters on one side oh, and God. three characters on the other side. And the best character. <laughs>
1: the, the character we hold up as the man who is in charge of our group, good old Braun Bronzebeard.
0: Yep. Yep. A character that did not even show up in Moe's campaign until the very end and was a cast off. From the very beginning of my campaign. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh goodness, we've discussed Bron Bronzebeard ad nauseum on this show, but it all came I... back to him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and it
1: continues to come back to him too. I mean, mm-hmm. our our chat on online is called the Bron Bronzebeard Lantern Company, for goodness' <laughs> sake. And now that. um Uh, Acquisitions Incorporated is a thing. We're even thinking of having Austin run a Braun Bronzebeard campaign where we all work at Braun Bronzebeard Lantern Company. (laughs) We've taken it to an extreme. Mm -hmm. Uh, We even thought about
0: getting getting jackets for goodness sake. That Acquisitions Incorporated campaign would be awesome. (laughs) Oh yeah.
1: He even opened up the book for the first time and it talked about Lantern Companies. (laughs) <laughs> Not even kidding, he opened it up to a page that talks about lantern companies.
0: Oh, goodness. So, unfortunately, though we've been riding high on these uh, these good RPG memories, we unfortunately have to bring things back down uh, because in this world of D&D, we have a uh, a certain type of player. A player who... Whether he thinks he's trying to win D&D or he's a rules lawyer, he, he just makes the game worse for everyone. And we call him That Guy. So Kyle, what is your That Guy story?
1: My That Guy is That Girl. Um, and uh, one of the players who... Uh, joined my campaign after having a film class with him and discovering, again, a similar like, hey, you play d and I play D&D um, situation. Mm-hmm. Um, he joined, uh, dropped out because of work, and he might be coming back at some point. Uh, I caught his interest with where his character is, so I, I hope he will come back at some point. But, um, yeah, he DM'd a short 5e campaign for us. Uh, in a homebrewed world that he tricked us into because he asked us to play a one-shot with him. We created characters, and then at the end, we all died, and he he literally ended the call by saying, okay, see you next week for session one, bye. (laughs) Um, I also just created the exact same character, except now he is not a madman (laughs) for that campaign. I want to bring Brembahem Schmeckel. That's what his character name was. I want to bring him back one day because he was a really fun idea. Um, And there was a person there who was the girlfriend of one of his friends uh, who was just kind of there to Mm -hmm. be there because she had nothing else to do. And she she was a bore. She didn't care to be there. She would roll dice only when told to and didn't like give a crap she she didn't know what her character was she barely had her character sheet out she borrowed dice from other people because she didn't have anything and would frequently not show up she was she was just she brought down the house in a bad mm-hmm. way uh and unfortunately that campaign ended early um it's a shame but i'm i'm kind of glad i don't have to see uh, her
0: again Yeah, sometimes there, there's nothing that sucks the life force out of you as a DM or as a player, um, but I've noticed it more as a DM than the player who's just not invested in what you're doing. Yeah.
1: I got really, really lucky with the group I have that I'm DMing for. They are what you would call hyper-invested. <laughs> uh, I mean, I share a Google Doc with... Um, our sorcerer uh our phoenix sorceress who literally showed up day one with uh multiple pages of backstory including multiple pages of backstory for her mother her father and her grandmother um and i share who her google doc online and every time she updates it i can see that she updates it and it's up to like 10 12 pages or something now uh it's all really good, awesome, fascinating character work. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, they're all hyper-invested, they're very much internet role-playing people, and uh it doesn't hinder anything. It it enhances the experience of anything.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And just to bring things back up again, because you're a member of our group, I have to ask, what is your favorite Austin story?
1: Yeah. Um I get to add on to this because I made the reference earlier. Uh, and I completely forgot about it somehow, even though much like gnomes aren't real, uh, this joke will never die too. Um, my favorite Austin awesome story comes from uh, Storm King's Thunder, and it's less a story and more one of his characters. Uh, good old Great the Tortle, who was a wild magic sorcerer who comes from a family of theater <laughs> of thespians, uh, and <laughs> who talked like Eeyore too. Mm -hmm. Um, he, with the help of me, because I chose the numbers, flooded Waterdeep, uh, to the point where the water went up to the keep in Waterdeep, uh, and, like, fish people invaded the city. Oh, God. Uh, he made everyone worship a tree for no reason. All of the grass turned invisible. Um, uh, I a castle the the keep of Waterdeep, fell onto my warforge's head killing him instantly because he was already down uh (laughs) that was a good one that's that that was my first character death too and well besides berus but i really didn't care about berus's death (laughs) i cared about anvil's death Mm -hmm. um but I, I managed to laugh that one off because it was too stupid and just absolutely hilarious. But my favorite thing he, that his character like had was near the end, where his, he turned his shell into adamantium <laughs> for wild magic, which is just ridiculous. Um, absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But uh, Veloc, lock my, my new character, uh, the, the Bloodhunter Goliath, wasn't there the session he died where he was literally crushed in hand by a, fr- by a fire giant <laughs> and just thrown onto the ground. But Veloc showed up the next session, saw Great's dead body, and went, that's a shame. Anyone got final words? No, I'm building, I'm, I'm making a grave for him. <laughs> Took him out of his shell, buried him, and dragged the adamantium shell over to the blacksmith mm. and was like, can we have armor? Can you make this into armor? How much would that cost? Um but ever since then, every time someone has said the word great or referred to something as great, there is usually a pause followed by one or more of us at the same time just going, No, great's dead. <laughs> that joke will never die, and it has expanded into other campaigns. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty I last time we had Ashley's campaign, literally someone mentioned uh something being great. <laughs> And I think Joe just went, "No, Great's dead, guys," and we just stopped and was like, "God damn it!" Ron, Bronzebeard, and Great. Austin's characters are the only ones that we make reference to forever.
0: This is I have my no problem with it. This is my really large sword. Oh my god, the swords! <laughs> yes, it, the
1: oh man, did he talk about that one?
0: Uh, no, he didn't.
1: Oh my god, yeah, we the actually ran a few one-shots before her campaign, and in one of them, he either found or was wielding, like, um, sort of like uchi katanas or mm-hmm. washing poles, except yeah. 40-foot-long washing poles. <laughs> Two of them! <laughs> and he was underneath a bed, held them out into the hallway, and just sliced
0: people up from underneath the bed. It I, was ridiculous. I do remember that. I, w- I was there for that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: Just, oh, Austin.
0: Absolutely.
1: Honestly, Austin. his mo- his most recent character is the most, like, normal character he's ever made. Hmm.
0: hmm. Well, Austin, we salute you. We love you oh yes the game please would not continue be the same without you absolutely the
1: the group would not be the same without any of us but especially without austin
0: mm. so kyle with this game there's there's a lot that that kind of comes with playing rpgs or playing D D. uh some of it is good and some of it is not so good and kind of annoying so, what is your least favorite RPG cliche? Uh, yeah. Um, almost
1: burped there. Um, my least favorite that I've encountered, mostly online because I have been fortunate uh, with my two groups. Mm-hmm. But I despise it when I see people taking the idea of this is what my character would do to the extreme and just being an absolute absolute Asshole. Like, you you, you, <laughs> you can play by what your character says. That's that's just playing that, that, that's just playing a tabletop RPG without metagaming. That's mm. all that is, 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 is. By playing, you know, what your character would do. And playing what your character would do is something like, hey, I'm a druid of light, and therefore I like to heal people, and nature is my friend, and I might become a wolf and run off with another wolf. And the extreme of it is saying, hey, I'm a druid of light. Allow me to start a fire in the middle of the forest and kill all these woodland animals for fun. <laughs> That's not what your character would do. That doesn't fit in at all. No, but it's what my character would do. He has a dark backstory. Everyone has a dark backstory. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> like, come on.
0: Yeah, you don't wander around the wilderness killing goblins because you had a stable upbringing.
1: <laughs> Absolutely absolutely not
0: get in uh, the line no. we all got dead parents
1: <laughs> we all of us have dead parents i don't shut up <laughs> they'll be dead soon
0: oh geez. so the last of these introductory questions and this is the big one and uh having heard your your first answer i i can only imagine what sort of what sort of stuff has been added to it? But Kyle, if you could put anything on a T-shirt, what would it be?
1: Yeah. Uh, so I want to mention real fast that from my original text, uh, I've added about a f- and an, a similar size paragraph plus a quarter more. Oh, god! Uh, in addition, <laughs> uh, it just got worse. Uh, but yeah, what I what I set out to do. Because you've had some cool designs, some Mm out-of-the-box designs, some funny designs. I went for a design that is so bad that I would unironically love it and wear it all the time. Mm -hmm. So this is my t-shirt that I want made and need it now. I will (laughs) buy like five copies. Mm -hmm. A plain black t-shirt. Rebel Wilson, dressed as Anakin Skywalker, circa Attack of the Clones when he is getting married to Padme exposed robo hand and all a yellow lightsaber in hand in the style of Darth Maul's lightsaber from rebels an army of rebel rebel Wilsons behind her a bright pink millennium Falcon, a lime green Luke's X-Wing and a neon teal ghost soaring through the skyline. Big letters at the bottom. Join the rebellion with rebel spaced out from Ian. Uh, The Busy Skyline of Coruscant with a singular billboard lit that reads Pitch Perfect 62 with the tagline Note, it's a singular billboard. One billboard in the entire planet city. A Jedi shall not know Aka Anger, nor Aka Hatred, nor Aka Love. On the back. A list... I have killed Ryan just by saying <laughs> on the back. <clears throat> on the back, a list of tour dates. Each date is written not in a month-day format, not even in day-month format like the British, but in parsecs. <laughs> the text is all in different shades of black on the black t-shirt with neon splatter paint in different colors restricted to the area where the text is. Each location is randomly selected from different fandoms, from Gallifrey to Equestria, and from Townsville to the Country Bear Jamboree cabin featured in the Country Bear movie. (laughs) This tour has it all. Below that, a chibi Darth Vader doing the cup song alongside a nine foot tall yoda not a not an appropriately proportioned nine foot tall yoda but a skinny tall nine foot tall (laughs) yoda uh playing the vivuzella sat together below the Tordates. they sit in the pasture from one of the worst scenes from all of star wars canon where Padme and Anakin frolic and roll around like Bella and Edward from Twilight, but with less chemistry. And that is the t-shirt that is so damn bad that I am in love with it and want multiple shirts.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I can only think of one thing to add to that to just make everything worse, and I'm afraid it might actually kill the ironic, unironic appeal of the shirt, but I feel like at least one of the Rebel Wilsons should be flossing. (laughs) No, that would make me truly hate it. That would make me truly hate it. If
1: you put a dab or a floss in there, I will shoot you. Um... (laughs) Now, if they were all doing the Carlton...
0: There we go. Then you got me. (laughs) Yep. All right, so with with the Star Wars conversation already thrown out there, I I think we should go ahead and and jump into some of the uh, the Star Wars conversation uh, that we have to have since both of us are, are massive Star Wars fans.
1: Massive doesn't even begin to like <laughs>
0: encompass it. Mm-hmm. So we unfortunately only got to play a single Star Wars one-shot using uh, Saga Edition. Have you had the chance to look over any other Star Wars uh, game systems or or check any of them out? Uh, Only
1: really by watching. Uh, I have, like, skimmed through a few uh, in uh, the local game store. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they literally just have a section for Star Wars RPGs. Um, And... Yeah, I, I haven't looked into them in depth, and I do need to, because I would love to go back to doing that again. Because that mm-hmm. session was great. Uh, playing a Mon Calamari pilot uh, was just really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, that, that system wasn't terrible either, uh, especially because I don't think any of us were Jedi, but it just felt right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it didn't feel like we were uh, moving away uh, too much from canon. Um, and the, the the vehicles were great. The the style of it was fantastic. It was it was a really well done. RPG.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and for those of you who are also Star Wars nerds, I'll go ahead and tell you it was set uh, during the kind of New Jedi Academy era, where uh, Luke Skywalker and Kyle Katarn are uh, dealing with the reborn and the disciples of Ragnos. And actually set between Jedi Outcast and Jedi Academy. Um, And it was built around a... uh, Basically a speeder bike race on the planet of Nar Shaddaa.
1: Yep. I finally got to meet Kyle Katarn as well because I started playing Jedi Academy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I'd never read anything with him in it because I tend to avoid media that has Kyle in it. (laughs) <laughs> um for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, no, it's it's interesting character. I do wish we could return to that time period and play the rest of that mm-hmm. uh session as a campaign. Cause Absolutely. it's very interesting. And Narsidah, I just want to explore all of Narshidah. Mm. <laughs> it
0: is... Yeah, it's like it's like Coruscant but sleazier.
1: That's exactly what it is. I I mean that's what happens when you give uh Hutts control of an entire planet.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah, that thinking about that that camp that not campaign, that one shot and uh just some of the ideas that I've had, I I really do someday want to run another Star Wars game. And the idea that I that I keep coming back to that we discussed a little bit in the first episode Um, and this is probably a lot of the Dark Sun stuff that I've been reading, but what if there was a legitimate, full-on collapse of basically the entire infrastructure of the Star Wars world, no Jedi Order, no Sith, no Empire, no Rebellion, everything just somehow falls down. Uh, maybe even, and and you actually brought this up, maybe even extremely limited to no space travel. Absolutely.
1: That that would cripple the economy. It would cripple travel. It, it would just ruin the Star Wars universe if you can't get between planet to planet.
0: Absolutely. And the the main idea I had with that is, well, what happens to the Force users? And basically they become just like wild-trained... For sorcerers, almost, and the the idea that I had was they'd, like, start to take over planets.
1: Oh, yeah. It is such a good idea,
0: and I want to play it so bad. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it'd it basically be, like, Star Wars meets Dark Sun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I am always down for that. Mm-hmm. And then you brought up a very interesting thing as well about a time period that really no one... I don't even think there's any novels out there that have explored uh there this time is
1: period. nothing.
0: It, it it after KOTOR 2
1: to uh episode 1 there is just nothing. There's like a surprising amount before KOTOR 1 that has been written, but nothing after like KOTOR 2 to uh the modern Star
0: Wars timeline. Mhm. yeah, that I mean, that would definitely be an interesting time period because, as we discussed, you go from the Sith are an entire race, an entire people group with their own planet, their own ecosystem and everything, to there's two. Yeah. Yeah. Even,
1: like, other things around the world, Um, like how... um, Like how on Tatooine, the... Um, oh God! Where the, the Sand People go from this massive tribe with like walled with this giant camp that's got walls and infrastructure to being a couple guys ambushing Luke. Yep. Uh, it and um, how uh, somehow the ships stay the same, like similar designs, because in KOTOR One the Sith use the Republic ships and the no the Sith use what go on to be the Rebel ships and the Republic is using what goes on to be the Empire ships, uh, which they still use in episode one, two, and three. But, um, yeah, there's just so much that, like, stays the same. It's so curious. Very little changes. Mm -hmm. Very, very little changes. So it it is fascinating to figure out what was going on.
0: Absolutely. So in addition to, to playing, you have now been DMing for couple years now uh
1: over a year almost a year and a half
0: gotcha gotcha so talk a little bit about kind of your your journey to uh going from player to becoming a dm and now even wanting to dm for our group
1: yeah um it's around the same time i got into it was the same time i was thinking of dming it Uh, it just kind of everything about D and D in my life started about three years ago and it has changed my life for the better, (laughs) completely and totally changed my life for the better. Uh, yeah, uh, we were doing a theater production of a play called, um, she kills monsters, which is a a decent play, really cool concept. Uh, it just needs, you know, it needs another act to really feel like good. And feel like it has a good conclusion, but the entire play is about um, a older sister whose younger sister dies, um, I think from suicide, uh, who she never really connected with, and she tries to like get into her head and figure out what kind of person she was because she never knew her really, uh, and she the the younger sister wrote like DM'd and created her own homebrew world. It's set during like the 80s as well. So it's like second edition. Uh mm-hmm. D is what they're using. And the play just kind of goes through her journey of discovering her sister and uh different interesting facts about her that she never knew, like how her sister was gay and how she dealt with that during her life. Um, how she viewed the few friends that she had. Uh, and uh, a lot of the play takes place inside of the D&D world, like she actually interacts with the characters who are being DM'd for her by a local game store person who knew her younger sister uh, that's the character I played his name was Chuck and he was just me <laughs> uh, I kid you not, he was just me, I did not act during that play, I just read words that I would say anyways <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but no, it was a good play and that's um. That's the spot where I truly felt I needed to play d especially because I was the only person in that play who had any experience in what d and was besides the director. And I thought of the idea of, hey, why don't I create a, a small one-shot or campaign for the people who are playing all of the, the characters who are playing d and run it for them? So I did. <laughs> And it got one session. And then it nothing happened with it. And then a year later, uh, Sarah came up to me and was like, hey, I wanna play DD. <laughs> Can we play DD? And I said, I'm gonna dust off this wa- No. Wow, high memories. I haven't seen you in a while. Um, <laughs> no, I was still at the time making a map for that campaign because i still had hope that they were going to play and that's when sarah came up asked what it was and i explained it was for D &D, and she said oh that's cool i'd love to play then about half a year later is when she finally said let's let's do a campaign because it had fallen apart at that point uh and she was like yeah i want to i want to do this i got some people let's get this going uh now i'm here a year and a half into that campaign, and it's going strong. i'm really excited for where it's going and i'm s i'm i'm so happy things just kind of worked out well d and d is probably the best thing that's ever happened to me
0: absolutely yeah d and d i mean d and d in many ways got me through college um yeah you, you you knew me back then i was i was not in a particularly great place in my life um throughout most of college but D&D was one of the one of the two things that really kind of kept me going in those years and it's sometimes you sit at the table and you're just like thinking about this this is this is kind of stupid why why do I do this every week but then sometimes you just get to the house or the store or you get online to to play your campaign and you just think to yourself, "I need this. I need this right now, or I'm just going to die."
1: Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, it is the the moment it clicks, and and the words are said. Okay, we're starting now. The world just changes. Uh, mm-hmm. I I have started sessions before where I, before I even hit record uh, for the micro for the recording software. Uh, where I feel like shit. Absolute garbage. Where I feel like I can't DND t- I can't DM today, but we are all here now and I guess I gotta I hit record and I scream into that mic it's D&D! and then I just <laughs> have all the energy in the world. The session goes great. Uh and then afterwards I sit down in a depressive state again. But <laughs> but during that time I feel alive. Hmm.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Kyle, as we're kind of coming to the end of our time here, um, I just want to kind of turn it over to you. If there's anything you want to promote, any message you want to send out, uh, the floor is yours.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, What I left it on last time is I just kind of went up to the mic and said, if you don't have a plan, fuck it um but otherwise um i can't actually talk about because we didn't mention it this time we mentioned it the first time that i was working on a halloween battle royale Mm -hmm. um and i'm gonna try and do a christmas one as well but i'm gonna try and turn that halloween battle royale into an actual rpg system that's classic horror themed and uh you know traditional halloween uh traditions yeah um Mm sort of this interesting trick-or-treat campaign or uh, system that I'm kind of hyped for. I'm really looking forward to writing it. I haven't written anything in the form of a system yet besides what I've done for the Battle Royale, but I feel like I can do it. (laughs) It'll be very much like 5th edition, uh, but I hope I can uh, make it my own enough. Otherwise, um, I don't know. At some point in the future, I'll probably send it your way because I'm finally getting around to... Uh, For the past year and a half, uh, as the campaign's been going on, um, it's been two years. I just realized it's actually been about two years. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, But yeah, uh, uh, several months in, after um, Mary joined, we started recording our sessions. um, Mm -hmm. Because I had the idea of, I wanted to upload this because I feel really proud of this campaign. You guys are awesome. My, My group is great. We have lots of hilarious moments but also a lot of like actually down to earth like emotional moments and i was really proud of it and i wanted to kind of just put it out there in the world i don't care what happens to it but i just want to share it with people mm-hmm. um but i'm finally getting around to f- actually editing those down so i'll be uploading them at some point uh within the next few months and i'll probably throw it at you if i finally get them up
0: absolutely definitely yeah we'll mm-hmm. throw you some promotion absolutely Gotcha. So, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. Uh, next week, we are finally going to be talking to uh, John Hambone-McGuire and Stu Horvath of the Vintage RPG Podcast. Uh, we'll be discussing uh, some of their old favorite RPGs, some of the ones that they like but maybe didn't make the cut for the show, some that they're planning on talking about sometime in the future. Uh, but until then... Um, Everyone, have fun in your D&D sessions, and uh, until next time, farewell.